You are listening to Overcomers Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we are dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you are listening, we hope this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. We're going to continue what we started with uh, last week, and, and we titled it, uh, not that. We titled it. Um, yes, we did. No, we did not. You I, want to have an argument in yes, front of everybody right here, it. right now? I, let's we do titled it. it uh, I have it right here. How to become. How to become. You know, sometimes you put titles on things. Becoming a kingdom-minded parent. Oh, f- I forgot four realities of becoming. No, no, no. We titled it Becoming a Kingdom-Minded Parent. Well, I wanted to retitle it for reality. You can't retitle my message. <laughs> it is. You don't have the authority to do that. It is our message. Okay, it I is can't. our message. Wow. Y'all pray for us. This is what our fighting looks like, by the way. <laughs> yeah. We're not hypocrites. We fight at home and we fight at church. It's no problem. So, uh, but anyways, it actually is titled Becoming a Kingdom-Minded Parent, and so then we talked about four realities of a kingdom-minded parent, but whatever you want the title to be, you can... Uh, Team Kent, everyone raise their hand. I'm going to lose this one. I know. I lose every one of them. And Team Liz. And then there's lots of neutrals because they don't want to be on a side because that is not actually kingdom-mindedness. A bunch of uh, (laughs) Switzerland people you are. Just stay in neutral. Uh, so, phrases. It Lord. doesn't matter. There, it's this. You can out here. Out, do no, 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 no. No, it's no, fine. No? Team Liz won. It's fine. No, seriously, stop. Okay. okay. Uh, anyway, so we're gonna. It's like no, really. It's just kidding. Uh, so, but we started talking about uh, you know four realities of a kingdom-minded parent, and so the the thing is, is that when we think about the kingdom of God, again, everything should be increasing because God's kingdom is ever ever increasing. Amen. And we're supposed to be people that think uh, not like this earthly realm, but like the heavenly realm, like the kingdom of God, because that's what, that's what really we're a part of. We're only passing through in this life, but the passing through in this life makes a difference for eternity. And so we're called to make a difference for eternity. So what we do here is what makes the difference for eternity and how we think directly relates to the impact that we'll make. And so when we talk about being kingdom-minded towards our children or just being kingdom-minded parents, I want to just reiterate this, that we're talking about a very broad scope because some people may not have biological children, well, it wouldn't disclude you or or even adopted children. You may not have, you know, children, children, but you do have people that you invest into in your life. Because that's what believers do, don't we? we? We invest in other people, we raise other people up, we disciple people. And so I'm using this in a very broad sense that you've got people that are coming up underneath of you. What does it look like to, to be kingdom-minded? And so this is something, it's kind of like a, a shift that has to happen in your thinking. And I, I go like this because, y'all ever seen that movie Top Gun? No, 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 not Top Gun, not Top Gun. Over the Top, Over the Top. You got to be careful what movie titles you call out. I said something on our live a couple weeks about couple weeks ago about pulp fiction because we got into this debate about pulp or no pulp and then Liz told a story and I'm like that's pulp fiction and I was like I think that's a movie well that apparently it's not a very good not movie good but <laughs> I've I've happy to say I've never seen it so uh, anyways not Top Gun but over the top y'all ever seen that movie over the top oh come on I grew up on that yeah yeah the arm wrestling movie yeah yeah and they interview aren't they not Arnold Schwarzenegger I gotta get my that Sylvester Stallone. 
I got to get my muscle guys right. And so anyways, they're interviewing him in the movie uh, about, uh, you know, because he goes to this arm wrestling competition about, you know, what, what makes him so good or whatever. And he's like, you know, I just... <laughs> It's actually pretty good. Adrian. And he's like, well, I just like to take my hat and I just turn it backwards like this and like I'm ready to go. Has anybody seen this besides me? A few of you. Yeah. Praise God. I'm not the only it's, one. It's a pretty good movie. It's, it's all right. very entertaining. It's, it's pretty corny. But um, anyways, that's kind of what it's like going from kind of what it's like. Anyways, going from just being a, a child, right? Just being a son or a daughter of the kingdom where you step into a mentality of now I'm going to invest into other people. And you, you can't put the cart before the horse. Everybody needs to come into a reality of who they are as a son or, or, or daughter of the king. And we need to step into our sonship. We need to have that reality really working on the inside of us of who we are in Christ, who Christ is in us, all the benefits and blessings of living in his kingdom. And uh, so, but once you step into that, then there has to, there has to, if the church is going to go to the place that God wants it to go, there has to come a change, a shift, and you could just think about the hat thing that will help you remember it. There has to come a change in the way that we go about operating amongst each other. Because the goal isn't to just to come in and get fed. The goal is to come and get fed, but then have a heart to give out to feed other people. And so what we're not supposed to be is 20, 30, 40, 50 years old in the Lord and still needing someone to constantly feed us. It's fine to be fed. I still get fed. I love listening to teaching. I love being around people that can minister and bless me and pour into me. I love that. But my heart and my goal as a, as a parent is to come in and to bless other people. So this is true of my biological children, but it's also true of like spiritual kids and people within the church. And even if I wasn't a pastor, and this is why it applies to you, it's for everybody. Amen. So it's a, it's a change. It's a shift that has to come there. So we talk about four realities of a kingdom-minded parent, and we're not going to go back through all of these uh, in any length. Otherwise, we won't get to what we want to talk about today. But we just talked about four realities. Number four is on the other side, and we're going to talk about that. But number one is that uh, they lay up for F-O-R, their children. Praise God. If I wrote it, I would be corrected. Anyways. We've got like one, two, three, shake. four, and this four is supposed to be F-O-R, but anyways, it's they cool. Get, they get it. They four. get it. They're smart. They're smart. Four, <laughs> four realities. <laughs> Reality number one is they lay up for their children. Amen. Praise God. Rabbit. So that's reality number one is that they lay out for their children. And we just talked about laying, y'all got to laugh at me. Come on, break the ice a little bit here. Is that, you know, what it looks like to, look, to lay up for your children is that, you know, Paul talked about it in 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He said that I, I would gladly have my soul poured out and I haven't come for what you can do or what is yours, but I've come for you. And so this idea of, of laying up for the children Laying up for those underneath of you is coming to a place where you lay your life down. This is what any good natural parent does. You know, when a, when a mom, and we just seen this with, especially with uh, Liz's uh, younger sister, um, her whole world just changed because she just had her first baby. And uh, she was awesome before that and whatever. I'm not saying that. She was great. But it was like all of a sudden she had a baby and her whole thinking just changed. It was forced. Well, the deal is, is that in the kingdom of God, you can come and, you can come and sit and 
And you can nurse till you're 100 years old, but you have to make the decision that I'm going to get past that. I'm going to grow up, and I'm going to begin to lay up and to give and to invest into other people's lives. Am I, is this ringing a bell with anybody? Amen. So it's just about just dying to self is what that looks like. Number two is we talked about um, they leave a godly legacy, and this has been something that I was confused about at one point, what a legacy meant. A legacy isn't about having your name remembered, but it is about um, the fact that what you do will leave an impact for the generations after you. Everybody in here is living in somebody else's legacy. Come on now. It's very true. Good or bad. A legacy isn't about, uh, doesn't mean that it's automatically good. You can leave a bad legacy or you can leave a good legacy. So a kingdom-minded parent is particular and intentional about leaving a godly legacy for their children. And so your kids, when you're, when you're gone, when you're dead and you're buried and you're gone, the impact that you made should be the kind of impact that your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren and so on receive from the fruit that was born out in your life. Amen. And so that's, that's what it means to leave a legacy. And probably every one of us, you know, I, I mentioned this before, that like my, you know, my grandpa and my great-grandpa were both adulterers and are both murderers. I thank God that my dad, because that was in his line, that my dad was not an adulterer and wasn't a murderer. He broke that and he started a new legacy with his children. I'm so thankful for that. And now my kids are being raised in the house of God. They're being raised to know the Lord. They're being raised in a loving home, all of those things. And so you have to be the one to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break the mold of what I was poured into. And now I've got this new life in Christ and I'm, I'm being poured into a new mold and so is my family. I'm going to leave a godly legacy. That's how kingdom-minded parents think. They think more than just about their immediate needs. You know, people get really selfish. Westerners in particular are really into shiny things. They're really into, you know, all of the toys that we have. And I like toys. There's nothing wrong with them. But we get into so many things that are so focused on our current life. What are we doing to leave a legacy for our generations that are coming beyond us, a godly one? Amen. Number three um, is they agree with what God says. And we'll probably get into a little bit more of this when we get to number four. But it's, it's literally coming into understanding of what God says over your children, whether they be natural or whether they be spiritual, God says things over your kids. He says things over you. You know, you, you might need to take this and apply this to your own life. If you, ne you never had people prophesy over you and speak over you that God ordained destiny for your life, you need to get a word from God. Because when you get a word from God, it gives you what you need to contend for what God says rightly belongs to you. Yeah. Amen. Paul told Timothy, he said, uh, he said, wage the, the warfare with the prophecies previously spoken over you. Prophecy is God going into your future and getting what you need to carry you from your present state to the place that he's called you into. We need words from God. We've got this word, which is the most important word that God has given us, but he also wants to give us individual words, and he wants individual words for our kids so that they can contend with what God says, and we can contend over them with what God says. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, praise God. So we're going to go to, to number four here, all right? And uh, Liz is going to write, and she's going to preach because she can do it all. Everyone say, go Team Liz. <laughs> so we're, here's number four, all right, is that uh, kingdom-minded parents, they pray for them. 
I didn't know that was up there. I, I just, I wanted to shake things up. You're you know? shaking it. Woo. All right. Remember, you got to put on a new hat sometimes. That's right. Amen. <laughs> so uh, kingdom-minded parents, they, they pray for their children. And so we're going to, uh, we're going to go into some, uh, some why and some how, but it has to become a, like a heart posture, a lifestyle of parents, of the older ones, that they pray for the, the, the younger ones. They pray for the ones underneath of them. This sets the proper tone. It's, it's being a role model. It's being all of those things. It's being a parent. But what we pray and how we pray and the fact that we do pray speaks volumes to them about what we think God says about them. And our kids, their kids need to see that. Our kids deserve to see that. Amen. So we're going to get into talking about, uh, first of all, uh, why uh, why we pray for them. And so we're going we're gonna to list this off. We've got about three things and I think four things on that side as to why we would pray for the kids. Because, you know, you can go in and you can pray and you can, you know, pray however you pray and say the things that you say, but do you know why that you're doing it? If you lose your why in something, that, then you'll lose the, uh, I don't want to say the motivation, but maybe the motivation, maybe the discipline, and you'll certainly lose direction in what it is that you're doing. We need to know why we are praying for our children. And so number one is that it turns our hearts towards them. And if you remember, we talked about this last week. We talked about that um, in Malachi, uh, Malachi prophesied that the, like the spirit of Elijah would come upon people and there was come a time when they would turn the hearts of the father to the children and the hearts of the children to the father. Guess who comes first? It has to be the hearts of the fathers, the parents, to the children before the children's hearts will be turned. We have to go at this thing first. The parents have to go at it first. The leaders have to go at it first. The ones more advanced have to do it first. And when we pray, it turns our hearts towards them. And, you know, this might seem like a really, most people might think that they already have their hearts turned towards their children, but... I've come to find this out, not only with biological children, but with spiritual children. There can be a lot of things that happen that cause your heart to be turned away from them because of frustration, aggravation, uh, sin problems, you know, whatever the issue could be. The, the sky is the limit to cause you to be like, oh, I'm really frustrated. What happens when you do that is you pull yourself out of a place of positive influence and you move into a place of frustration and you can't impart into people if you're frustrated. They won't receive from you if you're frustrated with them. So whenever you pray, it turns your heart towards the people that you're praying for. And, and I'll say, too, just like sometimes the busyness of life or the cares of this world will just it will get you not focused on the one thing or one of the one things that is so important, which is having a heart towards our children. And so we have to just we have to reposture ourselves so that we can be for them because, you know, there's always things that we're going to be busy doing. But this is part of le leaving a legacy is that, like, does what you're doing matter? Like, is it what kind of impact is it going to have for future for um, what's, you know, for them in the future. And so sometimes we just get so busy actually living our lives and getting focused just on ourselves and how do we continue to do this and this and this that we forget sometimes like just having a simple heart for them is so important. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I want to say this too, that, you know, you're, you're called to pray for the ones that God has called you to pray for. And, you know, what's interesting is that I have people, uh, people that I don't know that, 
will message me on, I get all kinds of stuff on Messenger. If I don't watch your videos you send me, it's because I get like five a day and I don't have enough hours in the day to watch them all. But I get a lot of different things, a lot of prayer requests and whatever from people outside. And I love, I love people. But let me just tell you something. I'm not called to pray for every person. Try it over here. I'm not called to pray for every single person. You are not called to pray for every single person. You don't have the, the mental capacity to be able to pray for every person that comes. I mean, to really pray for people. You can't do that. So, and it doesn't mean that there aren't times when the Lord will quicken and things will come up and, and you pray. And whenever people, says, will, people say to me, will you, will you be praying for me? I, I get that so many times in a week. And I want to see people's needs met. God wants to see their needs met. But I can only handle so much. So usually what I'll do with someone like that is I'll say, absolutely, let's pray right now. Because I know when I walk out the door, I'm going to have five other people that will ask the same thing or I'll get phone calls. And a lot of that's just because of what I do. But, you know, there's a lot that comes in life and you can't focus on everybody else. But you know who we are called to focus on? The ones that are directly underneath of this, directly underneath of us. We should be praying over them consistently daily. They should be before our hearts, before our minds, and we should be speaking the word of God over them. Those are the ones that we're called to pray for. Amen. And so, but when you do that, it causes your heart to be, to be turned towards them. I've told people this before. Um, I've said this to people before that I knew didn't like me very much. I would say, will you pray for me? <laughs> because when you pray for somebody, even somebody you don't like, It'll cause you, if you do it right, it will cause you to have a heart for them, a heart of compassion for them, maybe to, to develop a little bit of empathy and some understanding about where, where they're at and what they're going through. So this is extremely important when we talk about praying for our kids is that we need to make sure that we are always in their corner, that our heart is for them in the way that we do that, no matter where they're at. Because, you know, a lot of times we can get into frustration when our, again, this is a broad thing. It could be biological kids. It could be, you know, spiritual kids or whatever. Uh, whenever they get into doing stuff that's not right, oftentimes we'll want to pull back and be like, I just can't believe they're doing that. And then before we know it, we're way off in the left field speaking opposite of them of what God says. Stay in the place of prayer. Agree with what God says. Don't agree with the, the enemy. Don't agree with their circumstances. Don't agree with their situation. Don't agree with the sin they're in. You don't have to ignore the fact that it's there or deny the fact that it's there, but you need to say what God says and watch out because you are, if, if somebody isn't taking the time to pray over us and to speak the word of God over us, who is going to do it? So if you have those that are underneath of you, that you're not taking the time before the Lord to speak the word over them and see, they don't have to hear it. You can pray for them and they can be 500 miles away or 1,000 miles away or on the other side of the world, and there's no time or distance in the Spirit. So you can pray, and you can see God do something in their life simply because you've taken it upon your, yourself as one who has some authority in their life to speak the Word of God and start to see things change and shift and, and, and go the right direction. And it's not you harping on them. It's not you preaching at them. It's not you telling them everything that they're doing wrong. Because how many of y'all know, especially when they become adult children, uh, they're not going to listen to that anyways. Amen. So, and I've had people like that, uh, people in the church that it's like, 
you know, they'll say, well, what should I do here? And I'll tell them, and they'll do something completely opposite, and they won't listen to anything they have to say. So my best bet at that point is just to pray for them and pray that they don't kill themselves, and then maybe they'll come back and get some advice and actually take it in the future. Sometimes just praying for them is your best bet, but it keeps your heart turned towards them. Amen. All right, so here's uh, reason uh, number two, the second reason why we pray. All right, it's important to know why, is it keeps us out of reaction and in response. It keeps us out of reaction and in response. And this is something that Liz has really got a revelation of and talks about a lot, because everything that we're faced with in life, we can either respond to it positively and with the word of the Lord, with the word of God in faith, or we can just in an emotional response, just react to that particular situation. So when we pray for our kids, it keeps us out of that. Yeah, and it's so important because remember, and I know we talked about this last week, so if you haven't listened, please go back and listen. It's like getting a word from God because then you get begin to partner with what the Lord says and not with what you are seeing. Remember, the plans of the enemy sometimes can be what people are walking in, and that's actually what he wants to keep us in this crazy cycle of just keep partnering yeah. with the plans of the enemy or the plan, the world system, but God's system, it actually breaks the cycle. And all of a sudden, you respond, I like to say, responding to the Father. Like, you don't see, you never saw Jesus, well, besides the money changers and sometimes to the Pharisees or whatever, but to, um, like, people of God, like to the disciples, you never saw him, like, reacting to things that they were doing or to people whenever they were in their sin, like the woman at the well, like he didn't react to her. He told her who he saw, who he said she was. And then because he stayed in a place of responding to his father, it caused her to respond and not to react. And then that caused more people, her, you know, to go out and say like, look at how good God is, you know? So it, it breaks the cycle of the world system and gets you to partner with heaven system. So it's so important that we don't react to what we're seeing and we just, but we have to have a word from God because if you don't have a word from God, if you haven't partnered, if you haven't asked, I, I, um, plead with you, implore you, whatever, like ask the Lord for a word regarding sons and daughters, regarding people you are discipling, just people in your life. Like, God, who do you say that they are? And then begin to say, I'm going to actually partner with you in calling that forward. Because I talked about last week, and I'll say it again, because it's so important. Like, are we going to be the people that keep people tethered back to their past? Are we going to be the people? who propel the people forward into purpose and destiny. And so we have to stop relating to people from past, present, and start relating them present, future. It's so important. That actually is keeping you in response. Jesus said, I only do what I see my father doing. What if we positioned ourselves and began to say, God, I'm only going to say, I'm only going to act 
how you are acting and what you are saying right now, like it takes you out of this world system and places you right in the reality of heaven and then pushing those people forward. Because sometimes, like a, lo a lot of times I've seen like people want you to react to their reacting. It just, it, it just makes people feel better and makes them feel like they're validated in what they're doing. And so we have to like stop, stop doing that. And the way we stop doing that is just smile and say, Hallelujah. Yeah. God is good. That's right. And we're going to keep going forward. And here's the thing, too. It's unchanging love. It's real love. It isn't a love that says, you. I need you to act a certain way, and then I'm going to love you. It's, That's right. I'm going to love you no matter what because I actually see who God made you to be, and that's the thing that I want to pull out of you. And, you know, people need that. They need to know that they are loved by you, but then that they are loved by God. And we are so they're supposed to know that we're Christians, that we're Christ-like by our love. And if we aren't really loving, then what are we showing? them like we're not showing them the love of a father of a true father and there's so many people who don't have an understanding of what it is to have the love of a father yeah amen yeah, that's right and you know when whenever we respond to to people um in the midst of what they're doing wrong we are saying to them without necessarily saying it we're saying to them that we believe what God says about them more than we do the current situation or problem that they're in. And when people are messed up, when people are doing wrong stuff, usually they don't need anyone to identify it. Now, sometimes people are doing wrong stuff and they just don't see it, and you can lovingly help them identify it. But most of the time, I don't know about you all, but when I'm doing something wrong, I already know when I'm doing something wrong. Let's see a show of hands. When you're doing something wrong, who, who in here knows you're doing something wrong? Amen. And so, you know, you got to think that other people, they are in that same place. And when you can, instead of reacting and be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're doing that. And why are you doing that? And you're so messed up and whatever your words would be. If you can say, hey, no problem. God's got this. And you love them and you speak over them what God says. You're putting, you're putting faith and you're helping them put faith in what God says and, and relating to them like what Liz says from their present future instead of from their past to their present. And that's what people need because that's how God sees us. He sees us in the future tense. He sees us according to what he's spoken over us. And so we need, people need us to have faith over them in what God says. Because every one of us struggle to have faith over ourselves concerning what God says. You know why? Because we know ourselves. We look in the natural mirror and we look in the, you know, we take a, uh, consensus of our soulish realm, our mind, will, emotions, and our conscience, and we can instantly tell what shape it's in, and oftentimes it is not in the shape that we want. So then when we have a word that's spoken over us, thus saith the Lord, or just something from his word, by the stripes of Jesus you're healed, and we don't see it, what we don't need is for people to affirm what we have going on in the natural. We need them to affirm what God says about us, and our kids deserve that. They need that, and we're called to help raise them up out of the pains, out of the bondage, out of the issues, and we do that. You Sometimes you might need to identify it, but once it's identified, you don't stay there. You, you begin to help them to identify with what God says about them. 
Amen. And, and, th- and this is, remember, a posture of a father. So it takes right. us being mature. It takes us saying, like, I'm actually going to grow up, and I'm, I'm going to actually start agreeing with what the father says over me so that I can position myself as the true mother and father that I am called to be, right. especially for the people that are in our charge, so yeah. to speak. Yeah, amen, amen. It's awesome. So here's number three, and this is the last reason why. Well, you could probably find more reasons, but this is the last reason we're going to talk about today as to why we would pray for our kids. Y'all getting something out of this? Amen. Is that we are watchmen and gatekeepers. We are their watchmen and gatekeepers. We are their primary watchmen and gatekeepers. Watchmen watch for what is not only bad or potentially dangerous or harmful, but they also watch for what is good. Gatekeepers are the ones that allow in or out. They're the ones that open and close the gate. And the younger your, your kids are, and again, I apply this both to spiritually speaking and to natural, the younger they are, the more responsibility you have as their gatekeeper and as their watchman. The older they get, and the goal is, is that they're able to step into that role over their own life with the help of the Holy Spirit. Not that you can't still watch and see and be a part of that. I think no matter how old you get, you always need to have people that are older than you in the Lord, that are over you in the Lord, that can help you because every one of us needs help. I'm so, I thank God that I've got people that are over me and older than me in the Lord because there's things that I don't see. There's things that I need other people to, to watch out for me and watch my back. And so Parents, we have to realize that we are our children's ultimate, especially when they're young, we are their ultimate gatekeepers and watchmen. And watchmen look to see, listen, not only the negative bad stuff or the things that the enemy would try to bring, but they also look for the good things that God would bring. And so they're not really moved by by fear they're not moved by fear, a real good, true watchman, but they just watch and they just look and they see what it is that God's doing, what God's saying, and even things that the enemy's doing that the enemy is saying. So then they can forewarn, they can prepare, they can help, help them step into whether it's a good or a bad thing, whatever it is. Uh, that's what good watchmen and gatekeepers are able to do. And so they, they're able to help reveal the God-ordained destiny for their children's life. You know, one of the saddest things in the world, and it's just because of the world that we live in, is that people can procreate and people can just get born again. And it's almost like there's no instructions to the parents or to the kids, but to the parents especially. Well, actually, there is. It's called the Bible. But a lot of people don't read it. And you got to understand something. When somebody is underneath of your care, you have a responsibility to help them find their God-ordained destiny for their life. The best chance they have of getting it is for you helping them to see it. Now listen, let me just say this. A lot of people get into condemnation when they start thinking about this because they raised their kids and they didn't understand this. Then get a hold of it now. Because what you have in the power of prayer is the ability, even if your kids are older, whether just a little bit older or a lot older, you have the ability through prayer and through contending in the Spirit for their God-ordained destiny, even if you didn't get a hold of it when they were younger. There is no condemnation, and there's not anybody too far gone for God to be able to reach. And 
you have an authority in the spirit concerning your children. You can take authority over the enemy. You can take authority over specific demonic assignments that would come to derail what, what God has planned for them. You can do that. You have authority over, over your children and over the things that are spiritually happening. This is why God, if you're in tune, God will wake you up in the middle of the night and you begin to pray and intercede over your kids. It's true. It'll happen. God wants you to do that. Why? Because you have authority. You're the one that can change things. The older they get, the more they have uh, the ability, the decision to do whatever it is that they want to do. And authority is not control. Totally, totally different. Control is a false demonic manifestation of what true authority is. And so they're, they're very different. But the authority that you have is to be able to help raise them up and send them in the direction that God's called them to go into. Praise God. Amen. Because you're a watchman and you're a gatekeeper. Hallelujah. And so I, I love this verse in Proverbs. Oh, man, I spilled crap. It just says that, you know, she watches the way of her household. So that's just like a promise and just like a posture that we can take. And I, I love having word to back up what it is that I'm actually doing. And I know we can see in Scripture it talks about being gatekeepers and being watchmen. But here specifically as a mother, she watches the way of her household. So now, like I think of a watchman on a tower and not only can they see what's coming from the outside coming and going but then they can also see what's happening on the inside too so there's things sometimes that are going on on the inside that are good and that are bad and sometimes it's just like little adjustments and just little things so like when we're in our position when we know who we are, and we can be that person that um, God wants us to be for our sons and our daughters, then we can be that watchman. And we're actually called to be watchmen and gatekeepers. So I love that. Yeah, that's right. Amen. Praise God. There's a lot we could say about that. We want to get into the how here for a few minutes, about how you you pray for their children, for your children. And so we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to read a few verses here. And this is going to lay out um, pretty much all of this, what we're going to talk about concerning how you pray for your children. And there's a lot more we could add into this, and there's a lot God could reveal to you. But these are some things that we found that are really important, uh, that are just some truths here, some principles, some truths on how how you actually pray for your children. And can before you start reading, I just heard one time, I was like, um, somebody was saying, if you want Paul's results, then pray Paul's prayers. Amen. And I was like, oh, I, I do want Paul's results. And so I was I was like, I got a revelation. And so you can pray Paul's prayers over like so many different things, but we're going to use this specifically over our kids. And they are powerful yeah. and you will see change. Yeah, amen. Amen. That's right. And you know, when you look at Paul and you read his writings, he was a father and he talked about this with Titus and with Timothy and you could see his heart to the Corinthian church, well, to all the churches, but there's language in there that that depicts him as a father. And so he had personal relationship like with Timothy and with Titus, but he also as as a father figure over the church as an apostolic father, he had a responsibility to pray over them. And so I'm with Liz that when you look at this, this is a great model on how to actually pray for your children. And the reason why this is so important is because a lot of times we can get into praying based off of what we're seeing and not off of what God says. 
And there can be things where you'll see and you'll be like, oh my gosh, we need to deal with that. And that's fine. But if, if your, your prayers are geared towards like, God, they're just so far off. And Lord, they're just, they're just really hurting everybody and they're hurting themselves. And, you know, I'm using extreme cases. But if your, your prayer is all about changing them, which you do want to see them change and grow, but if it's focused that way, instead of focused on their heart and understanding coming to them, then if your prayers were effective, then it probably would change their current circumstance, but wouldn't change the root, which is what needs to happen so that they can have longevity in their life and continue to do things correctly. So here in uh, verse 15 of Ephesians um, chapter 1, and I'm going to read just a few verses here, and then we're going to come back and talk about this. It says, therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to, to give thanks for you making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power." Praise God. So we're going to give you a few nuggets, a few keys here out of this uh, particular passage on, again, how to pray for your children. And the first thing here in verse 16, he says, uh, I do not, and he's talking about himself, that I do not cease to give thanks for you. And so Paul didn't cease to pray. And for a long time, I didn't, I didn't understand what it meant to pray without ceasing. And I'm going to tell you how I pray without ceasing. And I'm, I'm not saying I'm perfect at it, but this is my understanding. <clears throat> it's impossible to be at church at the altar 24-7. We, we can't do that, right? It's impossible to kneel by, down by your bed and pray 24-7. That's not what he's talking about when he's talking about praying without ceasing. He's talking about your connection with the Lord on a consistent basis. Because, see, you can, you can be in tune with the Holy Spirit just having your heart there all the time so that God can bring things to your attention. You ever done that before? You've been just going about your business, but you've kept your heart turn, turned towards the Lord, and all of a sudden, he brings somebody to your mind. All of a sudden, you start thinking about somebody, and you're like, Lord, what are you saying? And you begin to pray over them. And I've had times where I've gone into like very deep intercession over people because that's where the Holy Spirit was leading me to. And it was all because I just had a heart of being sensitive to the Lord and that when he brought that person to my attention, I would, I would immediately begin to pray for them. To me, that's what it means to pray without ceasing and to pray for people without ceasing. It's not that you're constantly, because how can you pray for all of the people you're called to pray for without ceasing? Because as soon as you pray for one, you're not praying for the other ones. So it's an attitude of the heart that we're supposed to have. It's like a posture before the Lord to where we're always willing and available for him to bring things to light that he wants us to pray for. Because here's the deal, is that the Lord, this is going to be a stretch for some people, but the Lord is not the one that has the authority in the earth. We do. He's given us power and he's given us authority. If we don't pray, then we won't see heaven's best released into the situations that we have authority to release it into. We have to, we have to pray. You're not going to see the rise of kingdom influence and, and just all the benefits of the kingdom in the areas that you are called to influence if you don't pray in those areas and pray for those areas. So you have to see your realm of authority that you have. You have to understand that, and then you have to be activated in it. 
You got to understand your authority. You have to understand the, the area that you are that you have authority over to influence, and then you need to be activated in that particular area. Because if you don't, who will? And this is why you saw Jesus, you know, he would pray to the Father, he would ask of the Father, there's, there's definitely a place for that, but Jesus spoke things, Jesus released things, and even when he was asking, he was still using his authority in prayer, in communication with the Father to see things changed here on earth. If Jesus hadn't have done that, then he wouldn't have seen the changes that he's seen because he knew that he had authority, and not just authority, but responsibility. And what was it that Peter Parker's uncle said, Uncle Ben, with great authority, with great power comes great responsibility, right? So you've got power, you've got authority. It also comes with responsibility. Don't you love all of my movies analogies? So praise God. Amen. That's so good. Because, you know, think about this. Like the Lord, he does not relent. He does not cease to continue to sing over us, to continue to pray over us and, and see us forward. So we also should have that posture too, that we don't relent just because of what we're seeing or not seeing. Sometimes we grow weary in doing good and we don't see it through. I love what uh, Bill Johnson says. He says, a lot of times we pray enough to appease our conscience, but not to see the three, the, the thing through. And so how often are we just like, okay, Lord, I thank you so much for them and that they're going to, you know, whatever. And we will stop there or we get weary. We're like, oh my gosh, I've been praying Lord for this. Like, why am I not seeing this? How come? this doesn't feel right this isn't fair I'm actually speaking what it is that you're telling me to speak and I'm not seeing anything like are you doing anything like we all know that we've prayed like that come on that's like that's real but the Lord says don't grow weary in doing good for and when due time you will reap when you faint not that's right so we cannot faint because think about this. The Lord is so long suffering. He is in essence patient. And think about how patient he is with just you. With, like sometimes I think about like how patient the Lord is with me in certain things. You know, we all he's all like, will you do this? Or like, I want to change this. And we're like, oh, I don't really want to. And maybe later. And let's talk about that in like a year, you know, kind of thing. And so like he patiently with joy sits there and waits for us and how how much of a posture of that do we need to have for ourselves like are we willing to with joy be patient with joy just wait with joy continue to contend with joy not relent with joy not laid down will we be the people who will stand will we be the people who will fight will we be the people who will contend for the word of god over our sons right. and daughters come on we are called to be those that's people right. that's right amen that's awesome praise god so um here's here's the next uh in just truth or principle here about praying for your children or how to do that is just to thank the Lord for them. So he says, I do not cease to give thanks for you. So in making mention of you in my prayers. And so it wasn't just praying, but it was also being thankful for them. And this is another way to really turn your heart towards someone is to begin to begin to thank God for them. Um, I've had people that have really, really done me wrong. And I, I don't ever want my heart to become passive or complacent towards anybody. 
And it's not that I'm best friends with everybody. Uh, it's not that I get the warm and fuzzies around everybody. But when you think about certain people, even ones that have just wronged you horribly, and everybody in here has got people that have that have wronged them horribly. When you think about them, do you have the heart, uh, have a heart of compassion, have a heart of love for them? Do you have God's heart for them, or is it just is it just uh, anguish? Is it just frustration? Is it just aggravation? Is it just you know, oh, they're a, a pain in the butt or whatever it is? What's going on in here when you're when you're praying for them, or not even when you're praying for them, when you're just thinking about them? But when you start to become thankful for people and thankful that God created them and that they're created in the image and the likeness of God and that God's you know, done X, Y, Z in their life, that will keep you out of being uh, bitter, unforgiving, and offense, those kind of things. And that's really, really important. But we should always be thankful for, to me, all of the people, but specifically the ones that we're called to lead. Be thankful for what God has done in them and just, just for who they are. Sometimes it's we need to go back and remind ourselves and be thankful just for who they are, even if they don't ever do anything of great benefit, just because they are who they are, even if they don't ever do anything of any great benefit, because then that keeps you in grace towards them and not in a performance mentality, only, only loving them and being thankful for them because of what they're doing. Real parents will love their kids and be thankful for their kids even when they're totally screwed up. You know why I know that? Because that's how God is towards us. I can tell you now, I've had some, some days and weeks and months in my life where I look back and I go, what in, the, what in the world? Come on. And I'm so thankful that God was thankful over me. He was singing over me. He was dancing over me. He had glee over me. He was loving me. He was rejoicing over me. Just because I was his kid, not because I was doing anything right. Be thankful for your kids even when they're not doing stuff right. Amen. I'll just say this too because I believe that the Lord's really going to be speaking this to some people's heart right now is Thanksgiving keeps away offense. And sometimes yeah. we're offended at our sons and daughters, biological, not biological, because they're people and they make mistakes. And that um, offense can cause a root of bitterness to spring forth and unforgiveness yeah. also. So whenever you have a thankful heart, it will uproot any bitterness. It will That's uproot right. any offense and it will uproot any unforgiveness that you have towards them. So may, I mean, this is, this is paramount that we are thankful. Yeah. Amen. That's, that's good. Praise God. The next thing here, um, we're just going to give you two more things. Can you guys hang in for a few more minutes? Thank you for having, how about the rest of you? Can you guys just go to sleep? It's okay. Just go to sleep. It's fine. All right. Number three, I'm just teasing. Uh, Number three is that we, we pray for them that they have a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Now listen to this, it's very important, in the knowledge of him. Pray that they have a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The ones that you are raising are going to have some kind of wisdom and they're going to have some kind of revelation. What is it in reference to? What is it in the knowledge of? Because if it's not in the knowledge of God, it's not it's not what we want. It's not what they need. And so when we're praying, be specific with your prayers. Pray that they have a spirit of wisdom, which is the Holy Spirit, a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. It's not just knowledge that comes from Him, but it's in the knowledge of Him, of who He is, of His 
Godhead, of his deity. He's the object of our worship. Of all the things concerning the Lord, pray that they have a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Amen. Praise God. And then the last thing here is that their eyes are opened up. And this goes into uh, verse 18. It says, the eyes of your understanding. Again, this is all a prayer. Being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what are the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. And so we pray for eyes to be open, eyes to be illuminated, because when light comes in, darkness goes. And when you have somebody that you're responsible for, you have a kid underneath of you and you see darkness. Because the truth is, is that darkness is all around us. Darkness is in the world. Darkness is in religion. There's probably more uh, darkness in religion than there is in the world. They both keep you away from God. One keeps you into self-performance. The other one keeps you numbed up with drugs and alcohol and sex. Both of them keep you away from the Lord. And there's a whole lot of religion going on. Whenever the light of the glorious gospel shines upon the hearts of those underneath of us, their eyes get opened up. And whenever that happens, illumination comes and darkness automatically goes. You want to see your, your, your loved ones come out of all of the, the worldly problems, as we would put it? Man, pray that their eyes are opened up because when illumination comes and they see Jesus for who he really is, they won't want the thing that they have been wanting. Their wants will change. Their desires will change. So a lot of times it's... it's you know, we can get so intense about praying and, and binding the enemy and coming against the spirit of this, that, and the other, and there can be a place for that. I'm not totally against that, but you know what we need more than anything? What we need and what other people need is we need our eyes opened up because what people see, what they have revelation of, is what they will believe and what they believe will determine how they live. So if you want to change how people live, you need to change what they believe. And if you want to change what they believe, you need to change the the where their eyes are at and what their eyes are focused on. They need their eyes to be opened up to be able to see the darkness that they're in. I've got, you know, I've got, uh, and they're gone and dead and whatever. And so I had two, well, more than two grandmas, but I had two grandmas in particular, one on my mom's side and one on my dad's side, and they were polar opposite. But, and I'm not saying I think they both probably were born again before they died, but what was running in those lines of families, I had one that was just straight up heathen. And I loved her dearly. She was just awesome. She was sweet. But that line was just straight up heathen. And then the other grandma, like it was, you know, she literally said, uh, I don't like amazing grace because I never have been a wretch and I never will be. And so there was this, there was this extreme like religion there. And I'm like, whoa. And uh, so, but both, both of those types of things both of those are in darkness. One says, I've got it all figured out myself because I'm doing the good stuff. And the other one says, I'm a straight up heathen, so I'm not even going to try. Both of those things are in darkness. What we need to have is light shed upon us in that whenever light comes to either one of those types of people, no matter what your kid is involved in, whether it's some form of self-righteousness or just like self-loathing, like I'll never measure up, either one of those things are areas of darkness. And when light comes, they'll see that they can't do enough to measure up, but Jesus has paid the price and Jesus was more than enough. Hallelujah. So here's the areas that we pray for their eyes to be opened up. 
the hope of his calling. Not their calling, but the hope, and this is right here, I'm just paraphrasing, the hope of his calling. Because if you start teaching your kids that they have a call and you remove God from it, then where are they getting the understanding and the enlightenment of their calling? It's from the world. It's from just natural things, uh, just from, you know, whatever. This is why, like, a lot of those, and forgive me if you like them, I don't, and I've got the microphone, so I'll just say it, but all those, uh, you know, those, like the gift, the spiritual gift tests and stuff and things to, like, determine, like, this is how you're called. If I had taken one of those when I was younger and gone by, well, I did take them, but if I had gone by those things, I would not be doing what I'm doing right now. And I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt, if I could do anything else, I would do it. It would be easier. But I'm doing what God has called me to do. It goes beyond all of my, my natural inclinations and just, you know, being introverted and all that stuff, which is mostly just an excuse for not doing what God wants you to do. I come to find out. But anyways, you know, uh, you can't go just by like natural things. You have to have the Spirit of God open up your eyes to see what you are really truly called to. It's His calling. Praise God. The other area is um, pray for that they would see and know that the inheritance, His inheritance in the saints. We have an inheritance on the inside of us. But guess what? This is how I'm praying for people and for those underneath me, is that they would come to know and see the inheritance that's in the other saints. Because if you only pray that they see what's in them, but they don't see what's in other people, they won't honor and value the other people as much as they value themselves. And if we need anything in our church culture as a whole, we need honor and value for what other people have and what God's placed on the inside of them. Because it's awesome. It's powerful. Hallelujah. And the inheritance isn't in one saint. It's not in one super duper. It's not in the pastor. It's in all the saints. Hallelujah. And then the last thing I'll say here about eyes being open um, is about his power toward us. God has tremendous power uh, toward us. His power, because this is what it says here, that his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. God has great power toward us. You know what that tells me? It doesn't matter where I've been or what I'm doing or what I'm going to face in the future. God's power towards me is enough to overcome every single ounce of it, past, present, and even future. Man, that's awesome. If we just know how powerful God is and the power he has, he's not, see, that's the thing is it's personal. You look at this and it's personal. You're praying. I pray that they would know the, the exceeding greatness of his power toward you who believe. You pray this way over your kids. God, I pray that they would see the power that you have towards them because they believe in you. It's personal because a lot of people are like, God can do anything. He works in mysterious ways and you just don't know what he's going to do. And it's like it totally removes the personal aspect of it. No, he's powerful toward you. And all the, the power that is needed to be there to fix the stuff. Who's got stuff? Who's got stuff? Everybody's got stuff. All the power to fix your stuff is right there in person, in the person of Jesus, who is passionately in love with his saints, his church. And it's there ready, readily available to us. I like and that. I love, I love this too because where is it pointing um, you praying for them is that they would see in him, not in and of their selves, not in and of their ability, but in and of the ability that they have in 
him. So I love that. It's in him that we are to live and to move and to have our being. That's right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. We want to mention one last thing here real quick about how. We're going to just mention this very briefly. Um, So we actually have a number five here, but it's just to pray in tongues. Half the time, we don't, we don't know how to pray. You can go and you take all this one through four and you can pray it. And, and it's right. You're, you're never going to go wrong praying that way or praying any of those things. Those are great things to do. But sometimes there's a situation stuff that comes up that you're just like, I don't know what to do here. Guess what? That's like, that's like three-fourths of leading people. What the heck am I supposed to do with this? You know what? When you pray in tongues, the Bible says that when you pray in tongues, that your, your mind is does not understand it but it also says that when you pray in tongues to pray that you may interpret what you're praying in tongues let he who prays in tongues pray pray that he may interpret what he prays in tongues so there's there's a whole uh, gifting that operates within a church within a congregation but privately personally we can pray in tongues pray in the spirit over our kids over situations and god will bring revelation to us then how to pray in english how we ought to because we don't know how we ought to pray but when god reveals it to us then we'll know how to pray. And a lot of times I'll pray in tongues. I had this happen. I think it was three different times. I was woken up in the middle of the night because of child trafficking in Perryville. I never thought about child trafficking in Perryville. I don't even know that we've had a problem with it. And I think part of the reason we haven't had a problem with it is because God woke me up and I prayed in the middle of the night. Just being honest with you. And I didn't know, I didn't even know how to pray. So I just woke up and I just began to pray in the spirit, pray in tongues. And before I knew it, uh, I just got a release. And I prayed maybe a little bit of words in English that I knew that seemed right, but I just prayed until I got a release. Sometimes that's what it means to pray in tongues or, or why you would pray in tongues over a situation. Sometimes that's how it will, will work to intercede. You'll just pray in the Spirit. You don't even know what you're praying. You don't even know, what, you know why you're praying. You just know it's towards somebody or a situation, and then you'll get a release. And sometimes we will neglect to do that because we don't see anything. That's why you prayed, so you wouldn't see anything. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. A lot of the praying that we do is to stop the onslaught of the enemy against those that God has called us to pray for. You need to realize something. Your praying is more effective than what you realize. And so when you're quickened to pray for something, be obedient to that because you don't know what could have been if you hadn't have prayed. And so sometimes we can just think, ah, it's, we're just, I don't know, it's really doing, it is doing good. It is doing good. It is doing things. It's, things are happening in the spirit that you don't even know because you're just being obedient to the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Good stuff. Hallelujah. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give or would like more information on how we are making a difference, visit ociperryville.com.